Card presents Back Issue Bloodpath with your hosts, Andrew Young and Petula Neal. Batman versus Jack the Ripper. A psycho killer versus just plain psycho. Welcome to Back Issue Bloodbath. I'm Andrew Young. I'm Petula Neal. And this week on Back Issue Bloodbath, we are starting out the spooky season with a look back at what is referred to as the first ever Elseworlds title, Batman Gotham by Gaslight. It's a Jack the Ripper story. What if Jack the Ripper came to Gotham City after the, the five murders in London? Yeah, I say that it is technically the first Elseworlds title because originally when it was released in 1989, it was just released as it was. The Elseworlds banner had not been created yet. And later printings, Elseworlds was on. Of course, Elseworlds, for those who don't know, is an imprint at DC where they do alternate reality stories with their heroes and villains. They could take place in the past. They could take place on other universes, other planets. And this was the first one to officially become that after the fact. Written by Brian Augustine with art by Mike Mignola. And I believe this was like the first big thing that Mike Mignola ever did. Of course, he's best known now for Hellboy, but uh, this was like his first big thing on the map. Petula, this was your first time reading it? I think so. I would have remembered this. Right. So what did you think of Batman being placed in the past and being facing off with Jack the Ripper? I think that it's a great idea. I think my biggest struggle was they did a great job of adapting almost everything, including sort of the characters and the politics and the other things. But I think they needed to do just a, a teensy bit more thinking about his look specifically because he's basically just straight up modern day Bruce, even like his haircut. Like other people have like the big, like old timey beards. I don't know what you call those beards where it's all like at the sides, it's almost like Wolverine, but then there's nothing on just the bottom. Yeah, of the I've chin never, part. I've never really yeah. figured out what that, like we, in modern days, we call it the Lemmy. Yeah. Cause Lemmy from Motorhead always sported that kind of beard. Yeah. Yeah. But Bruce just is like, yeah. It's Bruce doesn't like even straight. have mutton chops. It's just Does like not. he's clean cut to all the yeah. like, and the hair is perfectly quaffed. Yeah. Yeah. And his suit is still pretty much like more modern day look, even like the house. I was so impressed because actually tangent, but I'm going to keep it brief. The style of the house, like the manor looks like executive manor houses because I was recently in Windsor where they had this weird like section of executive manor houses where Hiram Walker was like the ultimate, you can't work from home, but you can work really close to home. And he built a whole neighborhood right around the distillery. So all the executives had like, like these McMansions, but they weren't called that back at the turn of the century. Mm. And then there was like kind of row houses that are all now fancy townhouses for like the proletariat class kind of to live in. But even like the look of, the house looks like kind of like the bones of like a kind of turn of the century executive manor house. So it's like they did all this great work on the book to like make so many things look like the time of it, except for Bruce. Yeah. It just literally looks like he got into DeLorean and just like. I'm- yeah. They just, they just put longer <laughs> yeah. tails on his suit. That's about yeah. it. The beginning of the story starts with essentially a letter from Jack the Ripper retelling 
his uh, exploits in London. Just a quick refresher for people who don't know the history of Jack the Ripper. It's there. It's written in the first person. By the end of it, he then brings up that he's heard of the Batman and he'll see what the Batman's like when he heads to Gotham. Then we see that Bruce Wayne is currently in London and is leaving to go back to Gotham and start his escapades as the Bat. And on the uh, the steamer that he takes across the Atlantic, he catches up with his uncle there. Him and his uncle are talking, and he heads into Gotham. And because he's the, the rich outsider, like he, of course, lived there before, but he's been gone a while, that uh, people aren't too sure about him. And right around the same time that the Batman shows up on the streets of Gotham stopping robbers, there's also a killer who's very much like Jack the Ripper on those streets. And the commissioner, who's not Gordon, Gordon's just an inspector in this time, he is convinced that the two are tied, whereas Gordon believes they're two separate things because one is stopping criminals and the other is killing women. But the commissioner is hell-bent on tying these two things together and doesn't care who ends up being the killer. He just wants them to find a killer. Of course, this leads to Bruce Wayne being fingered as the killer. And that is the major predicament. Now, for me, when I was reading it, that seemed like the obvious way to go, in my opinion. You know, like, oh, okay, so you're going to have it that these two things, everybody thinks these two things are tied and Bruce Wayne's going to get accused of it. I think it would have been more interesting if they had a played Bruce a bit more like not so open. Like, of course, like if there was no captions, if there was no narration and we just saw Bruce Wayne going about his time. I think it would have been much more eerie and might have even made the audience think, wait a second, because it's not the Bruce Wayne from current times. This is a different Bruce Wayne that, oh, wait a second, what if he is Jack the Ripper? I would have liked that more. But right from the get go, Augustine sets up that. Batman is definitely not Jack the Ripper. Also, yeah, this version of Bruce, even less stealthy than most modern day versions. It's very pokeroo. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I missed him again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's fine. That's fine. But yeah, it wasn't very mysterious. You knew it had to be. You didn't need to be the greatest detective uh, reading this. Like, it, there wasn't a huge surprise. You figured it was going to be one of, like, a very small handful of people. Yeah, there's only about five other characters in this story. And of the five, most of them are kind of, because of a modern-day counterpart, are written off. Well, I can't be that person. So the person that isn't from regular Batman comics is obviously going to turn out to be Jack the Ripper. Yeah, also just, it's not like you can get from the continent to... New York in a jiffy. So we're going to suspect someone if they were part of the voyage. Anyway, yeah, that part, I get the whole, it's not really about that. It's just about let's do this alternative universe. And I mean, not that I love seeing Thomas and Martha die, but it was like a nice, okay, we're going to kill them again. Let's at least not do it in like a, an alleyway. Right. Yeah. Let's also <laughs> give a, a, a possible motivation. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which I thought that that was kind of interesting, definitely. But yeah, the actual world of Gotham in 1889 was an interesting take 
you know, to see like, cause the idea is that when you look at Gotham, half the time artists render Gotham as a much older city to begin with, you know, with a very Gothic look sort of thing, hence Gotham. But you know, like with a lot of like, when you think Gotham city, you think cathedrals and all these things, but it's a very built up city. And this, we get to see kind of a stripped down Gotham with cobblestone streets and, and lamps and whatnot. And yeah. Lots of green out like on the way, if you're on a lonely road or on the way to a manor house and the buildings are, there's a lot of them, but they're shorter. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's a very different Gotham. So even though Gotham is usually an older city, we get to see it even older than that, but in its youth, which I thought was a fun take. I feel like the story ends too fast and we don't mm -hmm. get to spend time in that Gotham enough. It's very quick to the point. I understand that Brian was probably given like the, it's gotta be this short cause it's a one shot. You know, the page count was probably a set page count. But yeah, I would have liked to have spent more time in that Gotham City. Because in my opinion, I'm, I think you're probably the same way. I think Gotham City is more interesting than half the characters in Batman. I think Gotham City itself is the most interesting character in the Batman universe. And I would have loved even more time exploring old-timey Wayne Manor. They just sort of fill this house chock-a-block full of, you know, art and like fancy architecture even like his display case, because again, why would he not have his suit just open on display? <laughs> on the main floor? It's just him and Alfred, who I guess he just left him there. Did was Alfred on the trip with him? No, no, because no, yeah. Alfred so picks like, him up at the yeah. at the pier. Yeah, yeah. So he's just left him alone in the house. So he's got nothing to do but I guess redecorate for the last however many years. I would have liked more time in the spaces. But to your point, it does explain how every page kind of feels a little bit almost crowded mm. how possibly uh one of the biggest sort of growing cities around that time would have felt because every like the panels are almost stacked on top of each other when you're getting your sort of pre-murder wall montage of you know ladies in the seedier part of town we're just seeing like face after face like shape after shape you know, leaning up against buildings and whatnot. They're trying to accomplish a lot in a small amount of pages. Yeah, yeah. Now, I believe the uh, the sequel that they wrote, Batman Master of the Future, which takes place in the uh, the same timeline only a couple years later, I believe they had a lot more pages and could spend more time with it. And that was with the artist Eduardo Barreto. With this, I definitely think it was like, it's got to be prestige format, which... For those of you who haven't seen Prestige Format, it's like slightly bigger than a comic. Like say a comic is roughly about 22 pages. A Prestige Format is maybe 64 pages. So not a lot more pages. Maybe even less than, maybe even, maybe even 48 pages. And so it's, it's relatively thin. It's got a, it's thick enough to get a spine, but it's a very thin spine. It just felt like, oh, I would have liked to have spent more time here. I would have liked to have seen more of the characters like Alfred is pretty much there just to give like exposition and stuff like that. And also have the comments that you expect from Alfred. Like I was hoping when you came back that you wouldn't want to do this, but since you are going to do it fine, I'll be there to help you sort of thing. Uh, James Gordon is very much there to be like, I think this Batman guy's all right, but that's about it. You know, you don't really delve into Gordon. Like we just, it's more about showing the counterparts in this timeline. It's kind of like, yeah. do, you, do you remember the cartoon Elf Tales? 
No, but okay. I, I love a journey. Take me there. Okay. Well, there, okay. You remember the show Elf, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So in, I guess about two or three years into Elf, they gave Elf a uh, animated series called, I think, Shumway Memories or something like that. And so it was his time and space. And that was popular enough that they gave it a second half hour called Elf Tales, where the cast of the Shumway Memories cartoon acts out a famous fairy tale and with them all taking apart. And it really wasn't about retelling the fairy tale as much as it was going, oh, who's going to show up as what part? You know, I was like, oh, so... Okay, so Al- Alf is Robin Hood. Who's going to be Little John? Oh, it's his buddy. This okay, and so, so kind of like drunk history, but for kids. Yeah, yeah, kind of <laughs> like that, but it's fairy tales, so it's not really yeah. history. Yeah, but yeah, that's that same sort of thing, and that's what I feel like. This it wasn't so much about like who's going to show up, but just like okay, when is the how is this person fit into this past timeline? How is how does Alfred work here? Okay, of course he's pretty much the same. Where is Gordon? Is he inspector? Is he, what is this? Oh, he's, he's just an inspector here. That sort of thing. So it felt like very much like they wanted to go, we're trying to get as close to year one with the character placement without actually doing everything in year one because they have Jack the Ripper instead of the Falcone family, you know, and it's fun. And if you're a Batman fan, it's cool, but I just, I wanted more, you know, I wanted a bit more than just, Hey, here's the character placed here in past times. Also, if you're going to give me a Jack the Ripper story, give me like a, a little more murder time. Like you get a lot of Jack's internal monologue, but you don't get a lot of, you know, Jack just jacking, you know? <laughs> Jack jacking. That's you can put that in a comic. Not one maybe like an adults only comic, but <laughs> But yeah, you don't get a lot of time with him. Even like seeing the postcard going to Inspector Gordon, and again, it's like, why is he sending it to Inspector Gordon? Because he knows he's the only actual decent police officer. Right. But in typical good apple fashion, Inspector Gordon doesn't kick up quite enough of a fuss when he knows that somebody's literally getting sent to their death for a crime they didn't commit. Yeah. Like he tries, but does he like, yeah. he goes to say, he, yeah, all he does is go, uh, Hey, yeah, I know you're in prison here, Bruce. Uh, here's all the information that the commissioner has on the case. Take a look at it. See if you can figure out a way to get yourself off. You know, like that's it. I'm not going to figure it out for you. Even though yeah. I'm a freaking inspector, I should be going around to do the legwork here. But you know, you're in jail. Find a yeah. way to get yourself out and take care of this. <laughs> yeah. Figure it out. Ugh. Yeah. yeah. Good Apple still has a few soft spots. I think we all got worms. soft spots. Yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think it's just he was, he was a bit, a uh, bit naive to what he should have been doing in that situation. Yeah. It's typical Jim Gordon stuff. He's the best cop in Gotham, but that's not saying much. That's very consistent from then to now. Yeah. yeah. Now, looking at this book, it's interesting to see where Mike Mignola's art would go. Because this is, again, this is probably one of the first big things he ever did. And to see where it is now after years of doing Hellboy and things like that. Of course, now a bunch of other artists do Hellboy and he just writes it. But, you know, he would go on to do Hellboy and things like that. To see the change in his art, his art would end up being more simpler. This seems like he's trying to do as much as he can on a page. Now, we talked about the page count, but also even like the way he draws a character. He tries to put in as much extra detail as he can in the character, which is something that 
he doesn't really do later in Hellboy. Hellboy is very much about like, let's give you just like the shape. Let's give you like, hey, here's just a, this guy's big. This, whereas this is like, he's trying to do like, oh, he has, with the exception of Bruce, all the other characters have like extra details on their face. So you could easily tell who's who. When Bruce has the most detail is when he's in prison. Looks fabulous. Like he's a little rough around the edges, but I like it on him because we're finally getting some personality. We're getting a bit of like kind of haunted stress. He's, uh, unshaven looking a bit rough outfit not tailored it's horizontal stripes hard for anyone to pull off Mm. especially if they're not tailored to the body so he's looking as rough as we'll ever see him and when he's doing his detective work like the page where you have like the the charlie day wall yeah and he's finally piecing it together and his eyes like there's actually circles under his eyes like that is like the one time like we get like a bit more of a grimy bruce and i wish we'd had a little more of that at least maybe if not in his bruce mode in his batman mode but you know it's fine it's fine it's fine (laughs) but yeah that final chase is probably the best stuff it's the most sort of gothic horror you know, we're back on the road. We're getting vibes from the Tom and Martha. We're seeing a lot of outlines and shapes in the dark, which is doing the look that they chose for this costume a lot of favors because, again, the silhouette and even his up close looks too similar to his modern look, I think, for it to kind of make sense in this time frame. But when you just see him cape flowing as he's jumping around, chasing the guy in the dark, that's all the good stuff. Like that is probably some of the really best stuff. And at the end when he's like pulling off the mask and he just, it's very dark night at that point. So that part I love. And that also is more on the, I can see how this guy's deciding, like, I'm just going to mostly draw hell stuff. after this. <laughs> I found what I'm good at. I've, yeah. Yeah. That's looking like something out of nightmares. Yeah. Cause yeah. that, yeah, it's only that last little portion there, that last, the, the, the chase scene and everything that really feels like in the horror genre. Yeah. Because everything that builds up to it is very, it's suspenseful, but there's nothing technically quote unquote scary about it, mm-hmm. which is you'd expect in a story about Jack the Ripper that there'd be a lot of moments of scariness, but no, it's just in the final third there that we get the big scary moment. Like I felt like the killings before that were kind of subdued. It was like very casual. Like, oh yeah, there's, there's dead women. It's probably the Batman, you know, what's happening next sort of thing where it's like, yeah, at the end there, it's like, okay, now you've got the adrenaline pumping sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Nobody caring about dead woman though. That's also like not surprising. Yeah. Like, very much of the time. So yeah, I get it. That, yes. it, that it takes many bodies to drop yeah. before. Yeah. They decide to really start investigating. Their investigation is who looks good for this so we can like shut it down, like from a a media perspective, not like kind of trying to find the right person. Yeah, it's like people are talking. We got to stop the talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, the parallels with the current just real world or just, you know, more modern day Gotham kind of uh, doesn't matter what time you would put a Batman in like Gotham's always kind of going to be a little bit trash, a little bit Mm. corrupt, a little bit rough around the edges. But in the daytime, she puts on her best face and tries to look really cute. And so how 
light some of those daytime panels are like when he's at home reading with his like shirt unbuttoned and it's like all beautiful green and the like garden behind him and everything else and those panels are really bright and white and then the way that's set aside from the you know the darker like when jack is doing a bit of jacking again could have done with more there's like a great one where it's just like he's all in shadow and it's like hand covered in red from like recent murdering so yeah it's uh it's pretty the last third is really the where it really gets rolling uh, i would say that i enjoyed this i would say that bruce was definitely and it's the challenge that many books have with him many movie shows whatever it's like was he more bruce than batman in this and i think he was more kind of like figuring it out he was more actually a lot like yeah to your point kind of year one just very like not really good at either yet yeah yeah year yeah. one batman mask of the phantasm from the animated series that kind yeah. of batman yeah totally i know that ign comics ranked gotham by gaslight number 11 on their list of the 25 greatest Batman graphic novels. So it is something that the fans do have a affinity for. Again, it came out in the year of the bat 1989, which helped it very much like how uh, Batman Arkham Asylum got very big during that time. Cause it was 1989. And of course everybody had Batman fever uh, with the, uh, the Tim Burton film before and after the Tim Burton film came out. It was all about Batman that year. So I think because of that, a lot of people check this book out, and it is it is a fan favorite. I enjoy it. I think it's a, a perfectly good story. Just, just would have liked more. Would have liked them to have delved a bit more into it. But again, I know it's probably, they probably had a set page count of what they could do. But yeah, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a be-all, end-all of Batman. But if you're a Batman fan, yeah, it's definitely worth a read, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And I can... I can kind of understand why it ranked high because it finishes so strong mm. that you kind of don't linger too much on the rougher spots or where you might have wanted a bit more character development. Yeah, it's how you leave them, kids. Yeah. If you give them some, some crazy gothic horror art at the end, you're going to hook them. There you go. So that brings us to the end of this week's Back Issue Bloodbath. Batula, where can the good folks find you? At Innotiff.com on Instagram, Threads, TikTok, Hive, the other site at Obesacantawit, O-B-E-S-A-C-A-N-T-A-V-I-T, and here with you. Of course, you can find everything I do over at GeekCardShow.com. Find me on the other site at GeekCard or on Instagram at Andrew underscore of underscore geek underscore hard. Uh, of course, you can find this very show on Facebook at Back Issue Bloodbath, where we post a new episode every week. And of course, you want to make sure you don't want miss an episode. Make sure you subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice. While there, leave a five-star rating and review because it helps with the analytics. We are now into spooky month. We had a little bit of tease at the end of September with the Craven's Last Hunt. Now we did the Gotham by Gaslight. And we're going to be continuing into spooky season. And who knows? Maybe, maybe next week's episode will also involve Jack the Ripper in some way. Only way to find out is to make sure you listen next week. This has been Back to Bloodbath. I've been Andrew Young. I've been Batulineo. Have yourself a good. Stay safe.